Good morning. Thank you, guys. Excellent choice of songs. Just, we could just pray and go home, right? Thank you, guys. And thank you, church, for the gift certificates. This week, I didn't have to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I went to Isabella's in Redlands, and I, I heard from most of the pastors, they, they use their gift certificates too. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, being nice to us and uh, supporting us. Also for the notes, uh, we got a chance to read the notes, and uh, I'm sure some of you were making up some things, but, you know, thank you anyways. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, you guys make us feel good, at least for a month, you know, during Pastor's Appreciation Week. So will you pray with me one more time as we get into, into the Word? God, uh, we have... Worship in your presence. But before we go, we just want to be challenged by your word. We want to know what to do in our own situations. This is our prayer, Jesus, in your name. Amen. This last week, I made a lunch appointment with an old friend of mine. We were talking on the phone, and I asked him where he wanted to have lunch, and he suggested we should go to Gulnas. Any of you had the privilege? A couple of you. You're blessed. You see, um, Gulnas, in my opinion, is the best Pakistani restaurant in the area. It's the only one I know, but I think it's still the best in the area. You see, the food is amazing. So good. Now, if you're a vegetarian, they have plenty of options, and I don't work for Gulnas. I'm just, you know, just letting you know. It's a good restaurant. In case you want to know, it's not too far away from here. We're close to Loma Linda um, in Washington Street as you go to the beautiful and famous city of Grand Terrace, California, where high-profile Adventist celebrities like Chris Oberg lived. <laughs> it's pretty close from there. So if you drive around there, you'll find Gulnas. Gulnas, good place, good place to go. Now, I also have to warn you, they, um, they have the reputation of making you wait. That's right. They make you wait for your food. Now, you would think the place is packed, a lot of customers coming in and out. No, no. The service is really slow, really bad, really slow. They make you wait. The day I went with my friend, um, we waited 20 minutes for our drinks. 20 minutes for a drink. Good thing we only ordered water. We were debating about ordering water with ice and lemon, but we are like, no, that's too much. That's too much. We don't want to be here a long time ago. So, so 20 minutes. After they dropped the drinks, the waitress disappeared, and 15 minutes later she came in. Are you guys ready? We're like, we've been ready for a long time. We ordered our food, and uh, an hour after ordering our food, we finally got this delicious food. I don't know if they went to heaven to get the food. It was so good. It was so good. Especially, especially the garlic naan that they have. Oh, man. Best Pakistani restaurant in the area. Now, um, the only problem, that day I finished my lunch appointment at 2.30. 2.30. I was done with my lunch appointment. My friend and I were debating if we should just stay for dinner. You know, it's like, hey, 2.30, dinner's coming up. If we order now, we'll get it by 7.30. We should just stay. 
we finally made a decision. Next time we go to Gulnos, we take our own lunch. <laughs> At least some snacks that will help us get through the waiting period. Because there's something about us. We just don't like waiting. I don't know about you, but we just don't like waiting. Um, yeah, we, we, we don't like waiting. We live in a culture that caters to impatient people like me. We need things fast now. We're so impatient. In fact, technology is not helping out. Think about it. Before we used to complain about going to the bank and waiting in line, none of that. We go to the ATM. Some of us even drive to the ATMs because, you know, we don't want to waste time. And if you have a good cell phone, a computer, or internet access, you can do online banking. You don't have to deal with people. You don't have to stand in line. You do online banking, transfer, pay bills, deposit, pay your tithes and offerings, and a donation to the young adults. <laughs> you can all do that online banking. Great. Technology is helping us out, but it's also making us more impatient. We can do everything in just a few minutes. Think about it. You can order food in the Internet. You can buy a new, um, a new outfit. You can buy your Christmas presents, schedule your vacation, look for a new house or, or a car. Even find love in eHarmony.com just in a few minutes. But the Internet better be fast because if not, what? You start getting grouchy, huh? What is it? I remember when we were in Rotan and uh, Pastor Isaac, he went to download some pictures using the internet in Rotan, Honduras. And it took him like 30 minutes to download how many pictures? Like five pictures. We were like, what's going on with this internet? We can't take it. We just see we're impatient people. We don't like waiting. And even though we have technology, we're still impatient. I found this cool article in the San Francisco Chronicle. It was published in May 28 of 2006. Let me read to you a portion of it. I quote, we'll make this quick. We know you're busy. An associated Paul has found an impatient nation. To get to the point without further ado, it's a nation that gets antsy after five minutes on hold on the phone and 15-minute max in a line. So say people in the survey. The DMV, the Department of Motor Vehicles, the U.S. version of the old Soviet breadline, is among the top spots where Americans hate to wait. Amen. But groceries are the worst. Grocery stores are the worst. Almost one in four in the AP polls pick the grocery checkout as the line where their patient is most likely to melt like the ice cream turning to goo in the, in the cart. And it seems people don't mellow with age. The survey found older people to be more impatient than younger people. Didn't write this. It's, it's all there. <laughs> Nor does getting away from the urban pressure cooker make you much difference. People in the country and the suburbs can bear a few more minutes in a line before losing it than city inhabitants can. But that's it. In short... Americans want it all now or awfully close to now. The sad thing is that when it comes to spiritual things, we take the same approach. Christians want it all now or awfully close to now. Now I want to take you to a story, the book of Matthew, chapter 14. Really cool story. Um... Verse 22 to 25, um, the Bible says, Immediately, 
Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Now, before we go any further, let me give you a background. You see, it was a beautiful day. It had been a beautiful day in the ministry of Jesus. People had come from all over the place. People who were sick were suddenly healed. They had an awesome worship service, the disciples playing the guitar, the bass, maybe the organ. I don't know. I wasn't there. It's a great worship service. Jesus came and began to preach about the kingdom of God. People are inspired. and They're just like, oh, man, God is so good. They're just loving it. And then the disciples come to Jesus and say, um, you know, it's time to go. You see, uh, they got to go home and the closest jack-in-the-box or McDonald's is not like two, three miles away. You, you got to get them to get food. Otherwise, they're going to faint. Jesus is like, no, we just had worship. We had church. We got to have potluck too. We have to, we have to feed them. The disciples, the disciples panic. Uh, they had no food. They're like, you know, we didn't make any arrangements. We didn't talk to the elders. We just, we just didn't prepare anything. And Jesus asked him, what do you guys have? You know the story. One of the disciples says, we got fish. We got this flat bread that looked like tortillas. Jesus said, there you go. Let's make fish tacos for everyone. <laughs> and so the Bible says that in my Spanish version, Jesus fed over 5,000 people with fish tacos. <laughs> it's biblical. You can, you can ask Dr. Pauline right here. <laughs> He can take you to the Greek and the Spanish and, and uh, <laughs> help you find that. Anyways, a great day. Everybody ate. Everybody had a great time. Then, then Jesus said, verse 22, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Guys, come on. Let's, let's go. Let's finish this. Had a great service, great potluck, great fish tacos. You know, get into the boat. I'll meet you guys in the other side. I'm going to, you know, put the sound system away, put the microphones, turn off the lights, put the alarm, close the building, pray with a couple people, and then I'll meet you guys. The Bible says that after he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the disciples were already gone. And now Jesus is praying, and while he's praying, the disciples are singing, row, row, row your boat, and they're just having a great time. Suddenly the wind begins to blow, and the waves begin to pick. And now, the, you know, these guys are experienced fishermen. They know what to do, but the situation gets out of control. It's, it's really interesting how, how Matthew uses a, a, a Greek word that, that mentions that the boat actually was being tortured was tormented and being harassed. It's, it's a bad situation. The disciples are in trouble. They're not going to make it. And they don't have a right. And they can't call the Coast Guard. They have no reception. They are in trouble. I'm sure they're crying. Some of them are praying. They don't know what to do. What's interesting is that uh, Jesus is praying. Jesus is praying and his disciples are in trouble. Verse 25, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
fourth watch of the night, the Romans divided the night into four shifts. The first shift from 6 p.m. to 9, from 9 p.m. to midnight, from midnight to 3 a.m., and from 3 a.m. to 6. The Bible says the disciples are in trouble. They're being tortured by the waves. They're not sure if they're going to make it. Jesus is praying, making them wait. And finally, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. Now, he's not flying like Superman. He's, he's not even, you know, on a, on, a, on a nice, fast boat. No, no, no. He is walking on water, taking his time. Now, I have this theory that, that Jesus was so late, he showed up around 555. Almost towards the end of the fourth watch. <laughs> I mean, what's the point? Why make your disciples wait? It's not like they're pirates. It's not like they're the enemy. They are your friends. They are in trouble. And they're asking for help. And you make them wait. Now, this is not the only time Jesus is late. <laughs> Throughout his ministry, it seems like he's always late. He's always making people wait. You remember the story, John 11? John 11, one of Jesus what is it, BFA, best friend, one of the best friends of Jesus, uh, uh, you know, is sick. They take him to Kaiser. They can't heal him. Take him to a medical center in Loma Linda. They can't heal him. So they call Jesus. Jesus doesn't answer his phone, so they text message him. Doesn't answer his text. They send him an email. No email because he had no internet. So they, they send him a fax. No fax. He is not responding. Finally, they send a messenger to Jesus, and they tell him, hey, Jesus, your best friend is not in good shape. You got to come down and, and help him out. And the Bible says that Jesus two extra days. He took two extra days before he went to Lazarus' home. Why? Why would you pe make people wait, especially your friends, especially the people who love you? And the funny thing is that when he shows up, Mary is like looking at the clock or the watch and saying, uh, a little bit late, Jesus. If you would have been here earlier, maybe, maybe the outcome would have been different. <laughs> Sorry. I don't get it. People always have to wait in Jesus. People have to always wait on God. I don't get it. You read your Bible ever since Genesis to Revelation. People are waiting. Remember Abraham. God appears to him and says, you are going to be a father. You will have a son. Him and Sarah got all excited, began to register at Target and Babies R Us. You know, they were just, you know, planning. I'm sure they painted their tent baby blue, bought a little camo and a little donkey to play with, you know, the baby. Waited a year, two, three. It wasn't until 24 years later that they finally got their baby. Abraham was 99 years old, almost 100 when he became a dad. Now, at that age, I, nobody wants to change diapers. You want to be golfing with your friends, retiring, hanging out in Hawaii. You do not want to be a parent at 99, maybe a grandparent, waiting. You look at the people of Israel and Egypt. God said, you will be free. You have your own country, your own land, your own home. And they waited a year, two, three, hundred, two hundred, four hundred. After waiting for a long time, they finally are free. And they take 40 years to get to the promised land. What's the deal with the waiting? I don't get it. 
And then, and then, you know, the prophets come and they say the Messiah is going to come. It's going to liberate you guys from oppression of the Romans and, from, and from, from, from sin and everything. And everybody's waiting on the Messiah. 100 years, 200. It takes hundreds of years. Finally, when the Messiah comes, nobody recognized the Messiah. Everybody was tired of waiting. Only a few people called the disciples kind of recognized the Messiah. They started hanging out with him, understood what, what Jesus was all about. And, and when they were finally getting it, Jesus said, I'll be right back. I'm going to go out to my father's house. I'll come back soon, and I'll pick you guys up. And everybody was waiting and waiting. In fact, if you actually read the, the New Testament, you're going to find out that the disciples, they were actually thinking that Jesus would come back in their time. That's, that's my understanding when I read. You know, they believed that, that Jesus is coming in their time. And they waited and waited and waited. And it's been 100, 200, 300, 1,000, almost 2,000 years, and we're still waiting. My grandpa passed away a couple years ago. He was waiting for Jesus to come. He believed that he, he was coming in his time. He believed he was going to be part of that generation. He was waiting and waiting. He is no longer with us. Have you ever been there? Where you're just waiting. And not waiting for the pizza guy to come and, and feed your kids. But waiting for something to happen in your life. It's more than a day, more than a week, more than a month, more than a year. You are waiting. You know the feeling. The disciples were in trouble. They're struggling. They're not sure if they're going to make it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. What can we get from this story? Especially all of us who are waiting for something. What can we get from this story? Now, if you look at some commentaries, some commentaries will suggest to you that, that Matthew is actually writing uh, a story that symbolizes what the church is going through in his time. You know, I, I, I just read, and, and I don't know if this is true, but, but, but there are symbols that represented the boat, represented the church, the, the dark night represented the almost impossible mission and the world uh, and, 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 and being by themselves. You know, there's a lot of symbolism that the people suggest that Matthew's talking about, and I don't want to bore you with that. But I think we can get something practical out of this. And I believe what we can get is that no matter how late Jesus comes, he'll come through. You see, we need to understand something about God. God is not limited by time. It, it took the disciples a long time to get the picture. One of the guys who was in the boat, Peter, who was so impatient, who wanted things done now, who wanted the kingdom of God on earth now, when he was coming towards the end of his ministry, he wrote in 2 Peter 3, 8, the following. Do not forget this one, my friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. God is not limited by time. You're looking at your situation. You're looking at the watch. You're looking at your calendar. You're saying, oh, man, I got to graduate from high school. Oh, I'm going to graduate from college. Oh, I'm 30. I'm turning 40, 50, 80, 90. And I'm still waiting. Let me remind you, God is not limited by time. 
He will come through. He will work. He, in fact, he is doing his thing right now. It's, it's, it's like an artist that takes his time. You see, you can go to a McDonald's and get a, a meal in two minutes. Or you can go to Gulnas, wait three hours, and get a good meal. Good things take time. And you're looking at your situation. You're looking at your own limits. And God is saying, no, you know what? I'm not bound by your schedule, by your time. I'm eternal. I can still make things happen in your life. I can still make happen things happen in your family, in your church, in your business, in your ministry, in your marriage. Don't give up. Don't give up. So we keep on waiting. So we keep on waiting. Waiting. Now, uh, we've been on this series called uh, Organic Christianity, Cultivating the Fruits of the Spirit. And it's really cool how Paul is talking to the Galatians and telling them that, you know, as you stay connected to God, your God is going to be changed and transformed. Alive in the Spirit will create fruits like love, joy, and peace. And, and I'm sure some of us heard Pastor John preach about it, and we were like, you know, I need love, peace, joy. I need all those things now. Maybe I should order them in the Internet and get them before Christmas because we need them. We want them now. We have to remember it's a process, and it takes time. The Spirit is working on the masterpiece of your life, taking his time. Notice how Paul talks about joy, love, Peace, and he sneaks the word patient. All of us like love, joy, peace, but patient, we don't need patient. Come on. We just need a faster technology. We just need a faster car, better internet, better reception. But Paul sneaks patient to remind you it takes time. What God is doing in your life, it takes time. You may not understand it. You're, you're being impatient, maybe, but if you stay connected with God, eventually, Eventually, you'll get it. You just got to wait. You got to wait patiently. Got to wait patiently. If you look, if you read the Psalms, you're going to find out beautiful Psalms to talk about waiting. Now, some of us may not like these Psalms, but Psalms 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Psalms 37, 7 says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Psalms 135 to 7 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. Oh, Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love and with him is full redemption. Wait. Wait on the Lord. We read it, and some of us may like the message. Some of us may be going home and sitting on the couch waiting for the Lord. But what the Bible is suggesting here is to wait actively. Not passively just sitting on a couch, taking a nap, playing Guitar Hero. No, doing something about it. In fact, as I was trying to understand the, the Greek word that Paul uses for this word patience, macrothumia, the better definition, according to my Greek professor, is 
holding to one's faith in the face of opposition that threatens to overwhelm. Notice, the word patient is not just sitting in a couch while the world passes by. No. It's holding on to one's faith in the face of oppositions that threatens to overwhelm. You are just holding on to the faith in God. You are doing everything you can. You might be waiting, but you're still holding on. Patience is not passive. It's active. It's active. Now, as I, was, as I close, I want to share to you a portion of, of, a, of a book that I really like that describes the challenge of a trapeze artist, especially for all of us who are thinking about our situation. Check this out. As the flyer, trapeze flyer, is swinging high above the crowd, the moment comes when he lets go of the trapeze, when he arcs out into the air, for that moment, which must feel like an eternity, the trapeze flyer is suspended in nothingness. It is too late to reach back for the trapeze. There is no going, not going back now. However, it is too soon to be grasped by the one who will catch him. He cannot accelerate the catch. In that moment, his job is to be as still and motionless as he can. The trapeze flyer must never try to catch the catcher. He must wait in absolute trust. The catcher will catch him, but he must wait. His job is not to fail about anxiety. In fact, if he does, it could kill him. His job is to be still, to wait. And to wait is the hardest work of all. What's going on in your life today? What are the things that you are waiting for? It's possible that you are pretty close on giving up on God and church, prayer, Bible, because you haven't seen anything. Been waiting for maybe a day, two, week, some of you for years. Let me suggest to you, God is not limited by your time. He can still make things happen. He can still work. He is taking his time to prefer his masterpiece in you. <laughs> you can wait. You can wait patiently. You can wait. But be assured that eventually God will come through. Maybe 5.55 at the fourth watch of the night, but he will come through. Don't give up and wait. So, God, we have a long list of things that uh, we need, we want. We have uh, made them clear to you that we need them now. But you are teaching us to wait. Now, some of us have been waiting for days, weeks, months, years. Waiting for marriages to get better, business to pick up, children to come back to church, Church to improve, getting to the school of our choices. Who knows, God? God, one thing we're, we're doing for sure is we're staying connected to you. And we know that eventually, eventually we'll get it. In the meantime, 
Help us to wait patiently. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.